0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, Kevin has some news on the New York Asian Film Festival, also about MERS affecting the Korean film industry, some Kung Fu Panda 3 news, and a bit later I'll be talking about Jurassic World. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin where if films were food, they'd be full of it. to another episode of East Screen West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong, China, other parts of Asia, and sometimes Hollywood. And I'm your host Paul Fox. And joining me once again from a remote island off the coast of Central America is Mr. Kevin Ma.
1: Hello, everybody. Hey there, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right. I just used some gymnastics to, you know, kick kick away some raptors. But um, yeah, I got a little bit of exercise, uh, mm. so
0: I'm good. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Hopefully, you're not trying to uh, train them.
1: <laughs> well, then, then I will be leading a rampage on a neighborhood in San Diego um, after I kill everyone on an entire cargo ship. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's
0: afterwards. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you can't tell already, we're uh, quite enthusiastic about uh, uh, tonight's wet movie, a West Screen movie for a change. Um, yeah. Originally, I thought about just focusing on East screen films as much as possible, but uh as we get closer to the summer months, it seems like those are going to be fewer and far between, um, especially where Hong Kong cinema is concerned. So we're going to throw some West Screen films in on occasion. Uh, and I've actually put up um, a notice about this um, up on the site and uh, some on some social media sites as well. So you can see a tentative rundown of some of the things we're going to be looking to cover. Uh, I, I just thought summer. you like. I just thought you like talking about sci-fi movies, man. Well, yeah, that's, that is, that's my thing, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe there'll be uh, something else uh, that pops up on occasion, you know, that is, is, is worth talking about unless there's a Hong Kong film to talk about. Because, uh, of course, that's our priority, being here uh, in the heart of, uh, of the Pearl of the Orient, as it were.
1: And unfortunately, we know that most Hong Kong sci-fi films suck. So, yes, yes. The, but I
0: am hopeful there is a, a Lewis Koo sci-fi film in development. Lewis Koo seems that, you know, he has to be in every movie these days. Um, but he's actually helping to develop a sci-fi film. And some of the early footage looks kind of promising. So um, I'm hopeful that he can uh, he can pull it off because I know he's a big sci-fi nerd. And right. I think that if um, if he's got some of the production power in his hand, he's going to want to do it and do it well.
1: There's a lot of money in it, and yes, he now owns like a huge um, 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 post production facility that's doing it. And from what I hear, um, the director on that project is going to be Benny Chan, who is um, who unfortunately did direct *City Under Siege*. So let's see. Um, but he has
0: directed many yeah. good action films. So yeah. let's see what happens there. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, I think the bar is set at uh, *Kung Fu Cyborg*, so uh, he's only got up to go right. I mean, <laughs> there's uh, there's not a lot of good sci-fi when it comes to uh, hong kong and uh, china cinema unfortunately um you do have some fun sci-fi out there like uh uh, virtual recall and and others but um we wouldn't necessarily label that as good (laughs) sci-fi so um yeah so i'm looking forward to seeing what he can do i know that he's in the past said that he you know his dream would be to do a chinese star wars if he could um so he is a big sci-fi geek and uh, again something to be a little bit excited for if you are too um so yeah what's going on with you sir you are uh you know out there and doing stuff in, in you know writing stuff in the industry anything anything big in the world of kevin ma right now
1: Dude, the world of kevin ma is always big, paul if you've seen <laughs> my pictures it's always big and large. That's what I say. Live large. Uh, Live large, like you know, my idol, um, uh, Biggie. Biggie Smalls. I love it when you call me Big Papa, man. Yeah. It's, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no. Um. Things are good. You know, things are busy. Lots of freelance projects. Um, I guess if you're gonna, if you want to find out what my next um subtitling project is. It's uh, recently confirmed. It's an animated film called Kwaibu that's going to be coming out in August in China, I believe. But its it does have Hollywood money, um, some of that 20th Century Fox money. So uh, I we, I think they are aiming for like a Western market release or somehow. But yeah, I, I believe that you will see um, my name in that film coming August. So that's my latest
0: project. All right. Excellent. Something to look forward to. Um, so yeah, that all sounds well and good. Uh, I've been busy. Although the semester's wrapping up now, so we're... Uh, looking forward to a somewhat relaxing summer since I don't have uh, summer classes assigned currently. be spending a lot of my time doing some uh, development of uh, course materials for the fall semester but it will hopefully give me a little bit more time to uh, put some input and some work into the website and to the show as well. have been doing a little bit of nip and tucks here on the website and hopefully uh, maybe we'll have some time to throw out a new logo or some new Ooh. cover art or something uh, during the summer, but uh, no. Promises, could pr- yeah. provide a new rap song or something. Oh right? yeah, we always we always want a new rap song from Kevin. Um, yeah. You know, I, I you, you might
1: be taking my my, my my that that big Papa line and turn it into something. <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't I don't
0: trust you, Paul. Oh, I'll treat you right, sir. I'll treat you. right. <laughs> you better. It might be dinner too. All right. Well, <clears throat> that's all well and good, but I think it's time to turn over to. Uh, The News Desk with Mr. Ma with some news.
1: All right, here at the News Desk, So I guess, Paul, you you have something to talk about first, that little Kung Fu Panda 3 news from your Ah, end. Yes,
0: DreamWorks has released a a trailer, a teaser trailer, actually, for Kung Fu Panda 3, and I think we talked about this um, earlier this year. This was one of my most anticipated films. Of uh, 2015. Unfortunately, it has been moved to early 2016 now, and I believe the release date is currently listed as January. Now, I don't know when we're going to get in Hong Kong.
1: March, mid March.
0: Is that is that confirmed? It's confirmed. Yeah.
1: It's confirmed, and China gets it on the first day of Lunar New Year.
0: Mm, so I might so- be having to having to take a trip to Shenzhen like we did for uh, Kung Fu Panda Two.
1: I'll probably be back in the States around that time, so yeah, I'll have to watch it in the States. Uh,
0: Which is unfortunate, because I I really wish that uh, they would uh, get some of the animation stuff here sooner uh, rather than later. But I am excited that it is coming. Uh, The trailer looks great. If you haven't seen it, it's all over on social media. Um, Go take a look. Um, We get a brief moment of reunion between uh, Poe and his, uh, apparently, a person who's going to be his biological father another panda that he runs into who's looking for his son um and of course they're both kind of clueless in the scene it's a great scene and interestingly enough the voice actor for poe's father is none other than brian cranston of um you know you know all over the place godzilla um you know uh, breaking bad breaking bad yeah it makes me wonder are they going to do like a uh, a blue noodles reference or something, you know, or Malcolm uh, in the Middle, yo, Malcolm, Mal- Malcolm in, in middle. the Middle. Yeah, that was yeah. A, that was a great show back in the day. Um, so yeah, look, really looking forward, really excited that that's now um, kind of out there, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting some much more in depth trailers um, in the months to come. All right, Kevin, what else, uh, aside from uh, panda news, do we have this week? all right
1: um some news for those of you who are in the new york area um the summer is here again and that means the new york asian film festival is back uh hopefully this show will be going up before the festival starts but yeah i'm going to talk about uh, a bit about the lineup this year um pretty strong lineup as usual um although i guess uh uh um a, 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 a disclaimer that my, my boss at Film Business Asia is actually one of their programmers. So I'm a little biased in terms of their lineup and my positive attitude about their lineup. Anyway, the, the, the film festival opened this year with Philip Young's uh, Port of Call which was the closing film of this year's Hong Kong International Film Festival. The film stars Aaron Kwok as a detective who is investigating a pretty brutal murder case um, of a mainland Chinese prostitute, which is uh, actually based on a true case here. Uh, Anyway, the the film will open the festival on June 26th. And also that night will be the North American premiere of A Fool, the Chinese comedy from um, actor Chen Jianbin, who you might remember from Paradise in Service. This is directorial debut and it won several major awards at this year's Golden Horse Film Festival or Film Awards. Better. Anyway, um, the centerpiece presentation this year is uh, Sabu's Chaskia's Journey, which was in Berlin earlier this year. Um, I've seen the film at the Hong Kong International Film Festival, and it's actually quite an enjoyable little fantasy film that I think uh, a lot of Japanese film fans might enjoy. This year's um, uh, I guess the star of Asia or I think the Asia star award goes to Mr. No none other than Mr. Heavenly King Aaron Kwok himself. Um, so he will be appearing at the screening for Port of Call as well as um, Cold War, I believe, where he will be um, receiving his award. Unfortunately, no screening of Pot Sakura, even though I did suggest it to the <laughs> festival Siege. staff. Um, I believe that was also brought up, that possibility. Um, unfortunately not. But um, yeah, uh, Hong Kong film fans, you can see New Hong. There's a big Hong Kong film retrospective um, featuring Little Big Master. Uh, a film that actually not many festivals has picked up on, but it is a film that was a huge, huge hit here. Um, you have Insanity, the psychological thriller starring um, uh, Lao Ching Wan. You have Derek Kwok's Full Strike, um, the, the badminton comedy. Um, and this year's um, filmmaker in focus is none other than Mr. Ringo Lamb. Um, who is coming back this summer with a new film? His first feature film in thirteen years, Wild City. But before he deals with those screenings, he's going to be at the film festival presenting um, a thirty-five millimeter screening of Full Alert. Full Alert, people! You don't get to see this film on the big screen anymore. You got to see it. Uh, also, City on Fire, the film that you know, that eventually became Reservoir Dogs. We all know that. But yeah, you know, Ringo Lamb on the big screen. So you got to see that. Um, what else? there's a Korean retrospective uh, for a company called Moon Moon. I took a Korean class and I can't do it correctly. Uh, Moon Films, Moon Films, um, or, or, or specifically, it is uh, targeting or a, a retrospective about the female filmmakers from that company, and it has several good films, uh, including Cart, which came out earlier this year. is an excellent social uh, social film about a strike that happens at a big mart. What uh, was big um, chain store? Um, there's also the world premiere, the only world premiere at the festival this year. Um, uh, it's Robbery, the new film from director uh, Fire Lee, Fire Fire, or the director of, um, what was it called, Love in Time, starring Bosco and uh, Bosco Wan and Steffi. Steffi, I always forget her last name. Steffi, Steffi. Tang. Steffi Tang, there you go. Uh, this is a very different film, apparently a very category-free-esque uh, dark comedy that's about a robbery that takes place. Um, at a convenience store uh, so it will be interesting to see what he does with that film Uh the world premiere people remember the world premiere what else um, Korean films we have or Japanese films we have Solomon's Perjury which is excellent um, I've seen it myself here in Hong Kong already and it's an excellent um, a qu- courtroom drama that takes place in high school um, you have Tokyo Tribe, the Shio Sono uh, rap musical. Korea, you have Twenty, the the hilarious uh, comedy about three guys who won't grow up. You have um, the North American premiere of Two Thumbs Up, the uh, which we talked about here on the show, I believe. Um, it's just 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 a great lineup. So yeah, go go check out. Um, www.subwaycinema.com if you haven't uh, and go get your tickets. Uh, The film festival starts this week and will go on until July 11th. All
0: right. Exciting stuff, especially for all you uh, movers and shakers out there who get to go to festivals. The life I used to have but no longer do. (laughs) That's all right. I wouldn't trade it. Uh, All right. Well, that sounds good. You know, um, have you been to the New York uh, Asian Film Festival before?
1: To be honest, Paul, I have never been east of Nevada in the United States. Unfortunately. So, no, I've not been to the festival, but but, you know, I'm a huge fan of what they do over there in New York. um, And I do hope to visit. You're just a
0: cons snob. Admit it. I I I, I can't
1: deny it i'm sorry <laughs> they i won't go any any festive word they won't give me a badge of a color now
0: yeah, yeah
1: i need my colored badge. and they don't serve baguettes right they don't serve baguettes but they never serve baguettes at can they give you free an expression and tiny ass little cups <laughs> there's no point anyway
0: all right well what else what else do you have for us this week <laughs> all right casting news um
1: Korean actor Ni nee Min Ho. Uh, I guess many of the our, uh, our show's listeners might not know who he is, but uh, he's a very popular actor who's um, mainly whose whose career is mainly in television, but um, very huge in the greater you know Asia uh, because of his television dramas. And also, he was in a hit um, gangster saga named Gangnam Blues um, earlier this year. Um, I believe it will show at new york i'm not sure yet but it did show at udine uh far east film festival this year um but yeah you know he's one of the biggest stars now biggest korean male stars in asia and his next film is going to be uh bounty hunters which is actually china south korea and hong kong co-production led by mr raymond wong's pegasus films um the film is written by Edmund Wong, who also wrote all three films in the it man series and uh, most of actually many of Pegasus' films. Um, but it will be directed by Shin Tara, a South Korean director who did My Girlfriend as an agent. Um, and the film stars... Li Min Ho, as the title says, I guess it's a bounty hunter. Anyway, the film um, has two Chinese female leads. Uh, Mini Yang has just been announced as the top, the, the, the lead female role. And, of course, PAX's film's own um, Karina Ng um, will be the second female lead. So, yeah, it's an interesting kind of pan-Asia co-production. Um, sounds like a pretty big production as well. And it will be shooting, uh, I believe, sometime this summer. Paul, um, have you seen any of you know, the Heirs? Uh, what, what was Lee Ho in? I believe mean, the Heirs is the biggest one, but you might have seen some of Mr. Lee's uh, television. I, I'm characters. looking
0: over his television stuff. I know um, Boys Over Flowers. I know that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. story. And it says he's in one called City Hunter, but I don't know if it's the same as the Japanese.
1: It's an adaptation of the Japanese one, is but apparently wide, but very much deviated from the original yeah. work.
0: Well, so did Jackie Chan, yeah. so who cares? Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> The Korean does not have Eric Cock and Jen Lam. Yes. <laughs> or or Jackie Chan is Chun Li. Or Jackie Chan, but we don't. Who, who cares about that? Yeah, or or Wang Jing. You know, some people care about that a lot.
0: Yeah, no. Unfortunately, the uh, I, I'm 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 not up on my Korean drama after. Uh, uh, my Love, Who Comes from the Stars. That was the last thing I saw. So, or the
1: Last Straw. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: If it doesn't have Gianna Jun in it, it's uh, it's uh, probably not going to get viewed in this household. So ouch, <laughs> there's just too much stuff going on. Okay, putting your foot yeah. down. Man. Too Please. much stuff going on. We're 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 still recovering from Game of Thrones, so we don't have time for for uh, sappy soapy stuff right now.
1: Oh, I read the spoiler. Don't even get me started. On. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just. All right, um, I blame Lee Sheng, Okay. Yeah, we, we we will always blame Lee Sheng for everything. <laughs> You know nothing, Lee Kaching. Uh, <laughs> All right, good. What else do you have for us? All right. So the Shanghai
1: Film Festival. Um, I guess this the pre-Shanghai shows. Uh, so we're gonna do some pre-Shanghai news. The Shanghai Film Festival, one of the biggest film festivals in essentially the world, um, in, in Asia, probably the biggest. Biggest, at least by, in terms of scale, is the biggest film festival in Asia. So we should, you know, talk about it. But um, in the year in which the lineup has the most, the largest number of Korean films, ironically, it will have the least Korean guests. You know why? Because MERS. Those four little letters, MERS. Um, fear in fear of the virus. Um, the film festival apparently sent out a email to all the Korean guests that will be going to the festival, including the project market. Um, to not, I guess, to strongly suggest that they do not attend the film festival. Uh to not go to Shanghai, and in fact, they even sent a follow up email telling the Korean guests that if they insist on going to um to Shanghai, then they will be uh put at a a far away hotel apparently away from the city, and they will be inspected daily on their health to make sure that they're not you know passing mers to people. Um, not sure if. That's really the wisest way you want to deal with, you know. I but I guess China has been paranoid about these sort of uh, virus, especially after the MERS case in Guangzhou, uh, the one about the the Korean guy who, who has the virus and ignored his uh, quarantine order and traveled to Guangzhou and um, and and almost passed the passed the virus or almost caused a widespread widespread, you know. Outbreak of the virus in that region. So um, was, they were, Was that
0: different from the case here in Hong Kong?
1: Very different. No, no, there was no case here in Hong Kong. That was a suspected case uh, of a traveler, a, a Hong Kong girl who went to, who traveled in Korea. I think mean, there has been like a hundred or two hundred suspected cases of MERS here in Hong Kong. None of them were confirmed. This is a a, a patient who was diagnosed with MERS, who had a, a a order to isolate himself or to be quarantined himself. And they ignored that order and flew on the plane mm. to Guangzhou, or to Hong Kong and then traveled to Guangzhou. And then he was stopped at Guangzhou. He was put in a hospital and all that stuff. So that one is the really the only real case of someone bringing the virus over to this region. Um, so since then, yes, the festival has been very paranoid about it. And... Um, and if this, it, 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 and we don't know at this point before the festival, we don't know whether the three juror jury members that are Korean will be making it to the film festival. But we will have an update um, in next episode because uh, by then, yes, the festival would have been over. But um, yeah, I, it's hard to you know. It's some apparently what I've been told is that the Korean aren't even that angry. They understand. Um, that the festival wants to stop it, and they want to contain this, and they don 't want people getting you know they want to make the other guests feel safe um so I guess you know they 're not very mad about it, but for me, I think uh, I guess i can 't really say anything too negative about it, but let 's just say um i don 't think it 's a very great move on the part of the festival, uh especially with the facts about the virus that 's out at the moment it doesn 't seem like that big of a danger anyway, but um yeah, I could understand the the, the festivals uh, paranoia.
0: Well now, I mean my memory isn't uh isn't all that great, but uh, didn't we have SARS going on in 2003 around the time of the Hong Kong International Film Festival?
1: Yes, and actually um I believe Koreans also had a very similar kind of not band, but they had like a lot of travel advisory um regarding travelers in the region. Udine also had uh, UNE was happening at the, around that time, also had a huge thing, um, events were, multiple events were canceled, I think Shanghai was canceled that year, or something was canceled that year in Shanghai, um, huge, huge effect on, on the film events here in the city, uh, I'm not in- entirely sure what happened at the film festival because I wasn't here, but yeah, I was, you know, I've, I've heard that there were travel advisories put on people from Hong Kong and China and Taiwan. Um, as like I said, as far as the Une Faris Film Festival in Italy, um Shanghai I think was cancelled or something was cancelled in Shanghai. So yeah, that took its toe. Yeah. On I, the I, film I,
0: I was here but I don't really I don't remember I, I, I don't remember if attendance was way down or not. It's it was so long ago. I just remember school was cancelled. It was it was the fi- my final semester of uh studying for my masters and the teachers basically said yeah you guys don't got to come back to school anymore just just send just send us your homework on email and it was like okay sweet and uh i remember going to the fitness uh, california fitness club which i was a member at the time and nobody was there wow because the advisory was like oh you don't want to go to places where people like sweat and you know where because everybody no nobody really knew you know what was going on in terms of the trend how SARS was being transmitted really everybody had a lot of fears about stuff and i was like people were saying why are you going to the gym why are you going to the gym you're not gonna, aren't you afraid I'm like there's nobody there there's, they, <laughs> they 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 clean it like every hour and there's nobody there i think it's probably one of the safest places in all of hong kong for me to be um oh yeah yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was like my mom was worried. She was like, "Oh, come back home." I was like, "Mom, if I come home, they're gonna stick me in quarantine." That's what they're doing with all the people flying from Hong Kong at the time. It was it was a crazy time. But I really, for the for the life of me, I don't remember because back then I was pretty active going to the film festivals. So I must have had tickets, but I don't remember if I if I dropped show. I always drop shows when I would go and <laughs> buy like so know, I, twenty probably. tickets and see like fifteen of them or something. Um, but I don't remember if I dropped a bunch of shows that year or not, or, um, I, part of me seems to think that attendance was down a bit. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things that happens. Unfortunately, it's, uh, Korea's turn, I guess. Um, and, you know, science, what are you going to do? It catches up and bites us in the butt. Um, so yeah, it's having an impact on the Korean film industry, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, it does. It is having an impact on um, several things. Uh, for example, some a lot of promotional events uh, in the public have been canceled um, for big, big summer blockbusters like Assassination, which has Gianna June, um, your favorite fall. Uh Gianna June, yeah, the big big blockbuster from Director of the Thieves, which assassination, the promotional event was canceled. A um a very big budget film called Northern Limit Line. They had to cancel their or they had to postpone the release by two weeks. Um the boost the Asian Film Policy Forum in uh Busan is indefinitely postponed. It's supposed to happen uh mid June. Yeah, mid-June, and then it's been indefinitely postponed. Um and uh theater cinema attendance was down um uh, for you know one weekend but you know thanks to uh jurassic park which we're about to talk about people went back to the cinema because you know who cares about mirrors when you have you know dinosaurs in the theater um a lot of empty malls um things like that and even the uh, queer festival the opening ceremony apparently had to be canceled because the government said uh Advised the uh, festival organizers to not host a huge public event where a lot of people are gathering. So yeah, lots of panicking uh, in Korea. Lots of you know safety precautions being taken, and uh, people aren't going to the cinemas as much. Uh, but hopefully things will get better soon. The outbreak will, or the whole the so called outbreak, won't won't happen. Um, we will know we will know very soon whether it did, it has happened or not. Um, but yeah, hopefully everything turns out. Well, over in Korea.
0: All right. Well, what are you gonna do? Mother Nature's a mean mistress.
1: Just keep cleaning. Just keep washing your hands, and you know, don't touch your face, and yeah, and don't get paranoid. That's what I always say. You know, don't get super paranoid. It's it's easier to 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 fear a virus like this, but you know, just take the, all the safety precautions you can get, and leave the rest to luck. I suppose. thanks
0: Yeah, it's like the old saying goes: the only thing we have to fear is Genetically modified dinosaurs. (laughs) More on that in just a moment. Okay, and we're back. Our film this week, uh, if you couldn't tell from the musical interlude, is of course Jurassic World, the big Hollywood blockbuster and the return to the uh, now-established theme park that was only hinted at in the first film, Jurassic Park. Um, So what is the story here? The story, of course, is that there is a place where they bring dinosaurs back to life, the dinosaurs get out and they eat people. I mean, enough said. That was this. That was the plot of the first movie. It was the plot of the second movie. It was the plot of the third movie, and it is once again the plot of this movie.
1: Spoilers, Paul. Yeah, spoilers. Indeed,
0: spoilers, and more spoilers to come. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I've, we'll get a little bit more into uh, the plot of this. Now, Kevin, have you seen Jurassic World?
1: No, I I kind of lost my interest in the franchise by the
0: third movie. So okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So the uh, this is um. Now, as I understand it, this is written as a direct sequel to the first film, and it it kind of disassociates itself from the events of the second and third film. Because once, I mean, if you go by those events, the question would become, okay, well, who would be insane enough then to come back to this place and actually let them finish construction on a theme park? Um, And that question still kind of lingers, the fact that the Pro- that you had the problems in the first film um but it is a sort of a direct carryover from from the first film with a fully established theme park where you know literally uh millions of visitors are coming in every year to see these genetically grown dinosaurs in you know a, a disney world like um uh, you know attraction venue um and much like the first film, uh, there, there's a lot of parallels, and, and I guess we'll get into discussing some of them. Um, but there's really, uh, there's, there's a great joke um, from Bill Amman's Foxtrot comic about uh, Jurassic Park, where um, I think that's the character of uh, Jason Fox is saying, you know, um, it really shouldn't be called Jurassic Park because the dinosaurs that they're showing aren't actually from the Jurassic era. It should be more accurately called, um, I think, the Mesozoic Park, or uh, I I forget the term he used, but a a more appropriate delineation of time with the the dinosaurs that are being shown. Um, And so here, yeah, it's kind of the same. It's less Jurassic and more genetic park, it should probably be called, because um, one of the things they're doing here is they're introducing um, a, a truly unknown creature, called the indominus rex the indominus rex is a human animal hybrid as george bush would like to call it uh except it's not a human it's a dinosaur animal hybrid that they've kind of created from scratch so they've taken the traits of the t-rex and some other animals to create this bigger batter animal with more bite um But yeah they make fun of the actual name at one point the 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 name indominus rex um, which to me kind of sounds like a bad mashup between shakespeare and 50 shades of gray um so it's it's kind of this just nonsensical sounding name when when you think about it um but the idea is that uh one of the things they say why did why did they do this you know terrible terrible uh thing against nature it's because the park needs bigger and better to pull in attendance. So every time they, they say every time they release a new you know, dinosaur, have a new dinosaur exhibit, attendance goes up and spikes, and then after a while it drifts down because people get bored. And this, is, I think, is really the irony of the film, because um, that same justification... Is used so very often in Hollywood blockbuster movies right it's it's the same justification they need something with bigger batter bite so you need bigger batter special effects bigger batter CG I mean you could take that same logic and apply it to uh, Avengers Age of Ultron or even this very movie because what are they doing they're giving us instead of more normal CG dinosaurs they're now giving us this monstrosity creation dinosaur Um, and they also have a scene with uh, this giant uh, crocodile-like, um, super huge thing that they have in a tank. Um, so instead of killer whales and porpoises, you've got this giant, uh, you know, early variant of a, of a crocodile. And um, so it's that same justification that uh, the movie needs to do bigger and badder things than the first film or the second and third film. Um, ever did. And and those films did, you know, for their day, some pretty big and awesome things, but it's not enough to see a normal T-Rex now. So they've got to create this thing that didn't exist before. So in some ways, um, the very criticisms that they're talking about, or, or the very rationales that they're talking about for the creation of the Indominus Rex is the same rationale they use for the creation of this movie itself, right? A bigger, badder movie. Um, I did. I did, um, really enjoy the theme park aspect here. Um, because now what we see, you know, unlike the first film where you get Dr. Grant and the kids and everybody kind of going in and and looking at the sort of the pre-production version of the park, the park's not, you know, it's still in the beta, if you will. Um, you know, it's not ready for full release. Now we have a park with literally hundreds of thousands of visitors there. Um, And I really liked that aspect, and I really wanted them to spend more time on that. I wanted to see the theme park culture um, more up close. You know, I wanted to see the paraphernalia. I wanted to see, you know, were they buying big, uh, you know, brontosaurus, uh, you know, brontosaurus on a stick kind of a thing. You know, that kind of stuff that when you go to a theme park, when you go to Ocean Park here in Hong Kong or you go to Disney, you get used to, you know, seeing these kind of themed ideas that are packaged and people are you know excited to overspend on them um, so I would have liked to see a lot more of that they could have played that up a lot more than they did um, but I did enjoy a lot of the throwbacks to the original film and there, there's quite a few of them in, in this one um, and it's interesting because in some ways that film is now like a dinosaur um, it is now something to be unearthed and uh, and, and it's sort of rediscovered like a piece of archaeology because what you have is you now have some you know, what is it, over 20 years now? Um, since the first film you've got uh, generations of kids who've not seen it um, even though it's available um, but there um, there's you know a wide audience out there that probably never saw the first one and they're going to want to go back and discover it and part of the thing that this film is doing is going back and Uh, making little references so for those old timers um, who saw the film in in real time when it first came out who were kind of given those moments of wonder and awe um, it's a nice touch to sort of go back and have these little bits of nostalgia um, that pop up in a few places Um, there's a there's a gag reference to for example the control operator's shirt Um, at one point there's um, these relics they find in the old bunker Um, even some of the narrative aspects, so you have, you know, two siblings kind of traveling through the park, getting stuck, um, finding themselves in peril, much like you had the two sibling children in the first film, so there's a lot of ways in which they're making direct reference back to it, um, and there's ways in which they're kind of narratively copying a lot of the formula. Unfortunately, it doesn't, I don't think it always works, um, I don't know if you remember, Kevin, but there, in the first one, right, there's this mm-hmm. scene where um, Dr. Grant and uh, what's the actress's name? Laura Dern. Uh, uh, Laura Dern. They're they're like, um, you know, they've been driving around for a while, and they kind of come over the, the ridge, and you just see Laura Dern's expression, right? That first time she sees um, the big brachiosaur, I think it is. And yeah, it's very Spielbergian. Yes, it's, yeah, yeah. it's and 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 that, that that's such a classic moment, right, from that film. And then you see what she sees first. You're given like this long shot of her reaction.
1: No, no, no. You see what she sees, and then and then she she bangs on um um Sam Sam Neo like because he was looking at something else, right? right? He was looking away, and then yeah, and yeah, then he and looks, then and he and looks, and then the
0: audience gets to see, and and have that same reaction that that they're having. Um, in in that moment and that's such a moment of wonder you know for the film because at the time you know it was state-of-the-art effects and we really weren't sure how they were going to introduce the dinosaurs to people um, and I think the film here tries to go for a moment like that when it's kind of zooming through uh, the park at one point but it doesn't really have the same level of impact um, and so that's one of the things that I think this film lacks is those moments of wonder. And I don't know if it's something that they can truly capture again. Because they can. It, it's
1: the fourth movie already. Yeah,
0: and, and as you say, that's a very sort of Spielbergian thing. Um, you know, something something that's a, a, a very cr- kind of creative touch that he has that perhaps um, other directors uh, might be hard-pressed to, to, to bring out. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of parallels, as I said. Uh, there's a scene, for example, where the big Indominus Rex is kind of Um, harassing the two kids and it's the the way it's kind of going about very similar to the car scene from the first film when um, the daughter um, was trapped in the car and the use of uh, glass as kind of a protective device so really I mean it's in some ways um, I don't want to say plagiarism but in some ways they're really cutting it very very close in terms of some of the ideas that they borrowed from that. Well, um,
1: Stuber is a is executive producer in all the films in the series. So, so you know, it, it is as much as it is as much. Oh, I guess it's okay to be referencing. No, I,
0: yeah, I, I'm sure it's okay. I'm just, you know, it's like they cut it a little bit too close for, for on some of the scenes. It was like, all right, that's uh. a little bit too much the same of what we saw. You know, you, you could have kind of gone a slightly different variation. Um, but overall, you know, I mean, um, the film does love dumb characters. I, I will say that um, you have. Oh
1: gosh, the whole serious has been?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you ha- you have you have dumb characters throughout, but this film really loves dumb characters, um, and and that perhaps that's one of the one of the downsides for me for this film. Um, some of the characters are just really really stupid, and I gotta <laughs> say I gotta I gotta point the finger at the kingpin. I'm sorry. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, I love him as the kingpin. He was amazing. He was awesome as the kingpin. But his role here is just super, super ridiculous. Um, He kind of plays this um, military advisor for uh, the NGen company um, who's in charge of the genetics, I guess. And he's trying to push Chris Pratt's character um, who's in charge of, of training the raptors uh, he's trying to push him to get them to do some kind of a test, a field test for military purposes. Um, and so that kind of sets up the, the dynamic. You've got the two young kids, these two young kids coming to visit the park. Their aunt is actually sort of the director um, in charge of running the park. You've got uh, Ifran Khan, who's the, I guess, the owner. He's kind of the new, um, oh, what's his name? Uh um, who was the, the famous, uh, British actor from the first
1: Edinburgh? One. Edinburgh? Yeah. Uh, Richard Richard
0: Edinburgh. Richard okay. Uh, he's kind of taken up that role. Um, but, and he's, he tries to be quirky in his own way. Um, but it, he doesn't have quite the charm, I think, um, that Attenborough did. Um, but really it's, um, Bryce Dallas Howard. She's kind of, you know, running around in power suits in high heels reacting to situations um chris pratt playing the velociraptor trainer though how he how he got into that role because he's a navy guy apparently i'm guessing he was like training dolphins prior to this and so they they never really get into his backstory um too much but you know you've got that famous scene of him uh in the pit with his arms out and you know kind of trying to make um you know keep the, keep the raptors in place. That scene got a lot of criticism, um, in the trailer early on, but once you see it in practice, it, it kind of makes a lot more sense. But, um, Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah, his character was just so very stupid in, in the context of everything that starts going on once things start going wrong. And you know that at some point in a Jurassic movie, uh, things are going to start going wrong.
1: But, but we're talking about the history of dumbass characters in Jurassic Park. I mean, you remember the second movie when they when they're you know carrying the, the baby T Rex into their trailer yeah. thinking nothing's gonna happen? And then you have uh, the third movie of the guy stealing the eggs, you know, because he could. I don't remember why he did it, but you know he was stealing the eggs and keeping them, so you know, that attracted dinosaurs just just people acting yeah. unusually dumb for, you know, a movie that should be filled with smart smarter people than Exactly,
0: that. yeah. That and, and it's when, you know You've got one, one guy, one or two guys who are the voice of reason, saying, "Guys, what we really need to do is do this," and everybody else goes, "Nope, we're going to do that," <laughs> and it's just like, oh, "Okay," you know, and and then they do that and things go terribly wrong, and then the same people say the same things again, and they say, "Nope, we're going to do that again." Uh, so it's it's a film that kind of goes through the paces uh, like that. Um, the, but my question is, does it have anything like? the
1: raptor in plane moment in jurassic part three or does it have anything like the gymnastics gymnastics versus little little girl versus raptor moment in uh in lost world um well no
0: i it has <laughs> those are those are, you don't don't tell me you don't remember those moments it's got some it's got some moments when chris pratt gives a look <laughs> okay as only chris pratt can he gives a look and then uh it does it does some things uh but yeah this is um that once once you get sort of beyond uh, the the I guess the big problem is the film establishes this thing where he's a raptor trainer and there's a thing that happens that gets him into that famous scene where he's got his arms out right and it's a very sort of tense dangerous scene you know and he's he's trying to train these raptors and he's working with them from above a cage you know he's he's like you know not in the cage with them which makes sense right but then by the end of the film it's like okay we're taking them out of the cage and we're gonna run them and they're gonna follow me on this atv i'm like what wait you, you you just established that the only safe way to work with them is up on top of this cage where you're safe and there's no humans around you know and now you're just going to take them out of the cage and let them run free with lots of other humans around. And they're just going to go. And, you know, it, it's kind of a big jump well, once they get to that point. But it is kind you know, again, they're trying to go for this thrill ride. So, I mean, if you can kind of turn your brain off, if you're somebody who is going to enjoy, you know, the Fast and Furious movies, and you don't mind that this is not a smart film, um, then I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. It's a summer movie, and you do kind of root for the dinosaurs, right? <laughs> it, it, you do. You you get there are some you know you kind of, kind of like going eat that guy, eat that guy. Um, so it's it's really fun in in that extent. There there is one death though that's kind of disturbing, in a way. It's like such a gruesome gruesome death for a character who you don't really think that character deserved that kind of fate. I mean, maybe maybe that character does, but. if so it's like they must have cut something out because the way that they treat this character is just horrible i mean just really terrible you know in the context of things and it's a great sequence but at the same time you're going why did they do that to that person you know it's like that's something you reserve for uh, a super villain or something um (laughs) but that happens and and This is a film, too, that, again, like Jurassic Park, you're going to have to, if you've got kids, you're going to have to think about carefully, you know, um, is it suitable for them? Because there's a lot of, you know, moments that are kind of scary and kind of intense. It's not overly bloody, but, I mean, there's a lot of implied violence going on. Um, You know, there's some blood that appears in places on... um, so yeah, you gotta, if you're going to be taking kids, you're going to have to really ride that, that, uh, thought process and think about, you know, are they of that age where they can kind of see this and it's not gonna, uh, you know, not going to give them night terrors or something.
1: Well, for example, when would you let your daughter watch it? Uh,
0: when she's like 30. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, but the first film, uh, 30. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, no. no, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I'm just now introducing her to SpongeBob SquarePants and i'm okay, still wondering yeah. if if she's if she's not there yet. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's going to um, take some time, yeah. yeah. Cuz
1: i i was I was checking out the um the 3D blu-ray a couple months ago the first, first film, not the uh, new film, but yeah, that that stuff actually the, one, the 3D actually works surprisingly well. Uh and two, that that movie's intense. Yeah, Well, you try to remember it because I saw it when I was like nine, and it was at like one of those second-run theaters, so it's not like a big, you know, loud cinema or anything. So I don't, I didn't remember it being that intense. Jeez. Yeah, scary movie.
0: I, yeah, this one again, I don't, uh, I think it lacks the wonder um, that the first one has, but it's fun. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Chris Pratt in it, although he's not really doing anything very far removed from Star Lord. Um, he's kind of being in leading man mode for the most part. He's a little bit more toned down, uh, which I think is fine for the role. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, let me say her name right. Bryce, uh, Dallas Howard, you know, as, uh, Claire, uh, she's good for what she's supposed to do, but again, she's one of these adults making kind of dumb decisions when, when the chips are down. Um, the kids are fine, although they've got this kind of, I don't know, this kind of, uh, this hair that just kind of—really—is that the hairstyle kids are going with today? Because it's, it's kind of <laughs> like a mop hair. It's like, get you know, off my lawn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, they're both fine. You've got the, the the older brother who's a little bit brooding, and the younger brother who's, you know, so into the park and very hyper and 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 kind of up and up and really ready to go. They're kind of dealing with a personal family issue that is going on in the background, and the fact that they're in. You know their aunt is supposed to be taking care of them, but she's too busy doing her things. Um, you've also got Asian American actor uh, B.D. Wong, who's actually reprising his role from the first film, so he's like a direct connection to the first film. Um, he's got he's got a bit part, um, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's uh, it's fun, and I would say in this in the pantheon of the Jurassic films for me. This comes in a solid second place behind the first film. Um, I liked it much better than um, the uh, Jurassic Park 2 and Jurassic Park 3. So, you know, it's it's worth, I think, um, at least a matinee showing. The we d- I did see it in 3D because the 2D options were not, the, the times were not great. And um, I'd say you can, if you've got a decent theater that's showing it in 2D, you know, give the 3D a pass because there was nothing really um outstanding for me about the 3d but my track record with 3d is is not the best so i'm a little bit biased in in that regard but um yeah jurassic park uh i think uh most people will enjoy it and apparently the box office is proving me right because uh it's uh doing gangbusters from what i understand um in terms of uh, some record breaking yeah um,
1: in very scientific terms it has made a crap load of money
0: yeah yeah, exactly. That's, that's and uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you you don't need to uh do any gene splicing to to figure that out. The um it's apparently um pushed aside uh Avengers too. And also the Pixar movie is um kind of still e- e- even in its second week of showing well, with the first re- week run of the Pixar movie. It's um it's fall it's still uh you know, the king. Uh, so, there you have it, yeah. Um, so Kevin, you gonna go out and see it now? Nah, wait.
1: <laughs> I'll just wait for video, man. I got tons of other movies to see, and you know I'm just not into big monster movies in cinemas. So yeah, I'll, I'll just wait for video.
0: Okay, I think. you don't have to be scared, Kevin. It's then-
1: I, 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 I am. Sc- <laughs> I'm gonna admit it on the air right now. Yes, I am too scared to watch Jurassic World. Christ, <laughs> i am also scared to watch um i'm also too scared to watch um i don't know crap i don't know what pumping irons <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> or, or, or i will also be too scared to watch magic mike xxl no that's XXL. a scary movie that is a scary movie man <laughs> that is a scary movie
0: Listening to the East Screen West Screen Podcast. Visit kongcast.com for more. All right. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up for our review this week. You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. That's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T dot com. Or you can drop us a line over on Twitter. It is uh, twitter.com slash concast. You can email us directly at eastscreen at gmail dot com. You know, send us your thoughts. uh, Tell us if you think our reviews are off the mark um you know uh, if you want to send us a short audio review uh, we can play it right here on the show you're welcome to do that as well um you can also check us out on various other social media sites like the facebook and keep up with what we're doing there but i do urge you to follow kevin kevin is uh, out and about and doing lots of stuff lots of interesting stuff with regard to film so kevin where can people uh, keep abreast of what you're up to um you know the
1: usual places you can follow me on twitter and uh, I am at the golden rock that's one letter the golden rock um, you can follow my daily news um, reporting on film business asia asia. Um, what else yeah you could email me at kevin at asia. Um, you can also try and find me on the other social networks um, we are on facebook east screen west screen yeah that's, that's about it
0: All right. Uh, Next show, we're going to be looking at a Hong Kong film, uh, kind of a mixed cast for the Hong Kong film. Uh, That is uh, number 165, SPL 2, A Time for Consequences. So, all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying never put your hands in a velociraptor's face, and we'll see you next time.
1: See you next week, everybody.